we're, you know, UCLA radio, the college radio station here at UCLA. Yeah. And, you know, ever since I joined, we've been covering wrestling as, as much as we possibly can because, hey, just like, you know, I love wrestling. And I'm really excited to have you here because you're, it's strange to say because, you know, uh, most people when they're growing up look up to wrestlers and as do I. But I look up to journalists like you just as much because oh, wow. that's what I wanted to do. I never wanted to be a wrestler or anything. I always wanted to be the, the guy in front of the camera asking the questions. And you do that better than almost anybody. So well, thank what you. we're doing here is – in the build-up to WrestleMania 37, we're just ramping up our coverage of wrestling, WWE and otherwise. We started our own um, YouTube and Instagram series. They're just two-minute videos recapping whatever happens in pro wrestling every week, and we're going to be doing that up until WrestleMania. And now I wanted to start something else, which is a podcast series uh, run off of UCLA Radio Podcast. We're calling it the Red Carpet for WrestleMania. And I didn't know who I wanted for the first episode. Obviously, our poll isn't, isn't as much as uh, – you know, a lot of wrestling media and wrestling journalists out there. But because we talked to you, you know, however many months back, I thought who better to start with than someone who's now starting their, I guess, starting their new life in Los Angeles with WrestleMania 37. Yeah, yeah, so perfect. first question is, did WrestleMania coming to LA have any sort of impact in your plans to move here? Or is that just sort of, you know, a great coincidence? I think it was maybe I moved here and then WrestleMania was like, oh, Chris is there. We got to go there. <laughs> Uh, no, it's <laughs> completely coincidental, but I, I knew that it was a matter of time that WWE would be here for WrestleMania. I mean, we've seen the trend. There's yeah. always a new, bright, shiny stadium, and WWE is always there to set the attendance record, you know, a few years later. Yeah, I think Vince always wants to be the guy to go there and, you know, have the first big wrestling event or first, you know, entertainment event, at least, you know, so that people can remember. So, yeah, you, I mean, you pay great timing to come here. Well, I'm excited that WrestleMania will be in front of an audience next year. At least I'm hopeful. Got, uh, yeah. Got my fingers crossed on that one. Yeah, I think with most people now, it's just, wouldn't it be something if WrestleMania is the first event back with a full, you know, blasting crowd? I think in Vince's mind, that's really, you know, what he wants. Well, what do you think is going to be the first event back? I am hopeful that we don't have to wait until April of 2021 <laughs> to have full crowds back and stuff. Um, I think that like, it sounds like stuff overseas are starting to really clear up. So I think that we're gonna see bigger events in Asia, maybe in Europe before we're ever seeing anything over here. Yeah, I mean, I guess the big, you know, like little litmus test is gonna be the Tokyo Dome in January and whether New Japan have, you know, a full and proper, proper uh, Wrestle Kingdom. And then from Absolutely. there, we're gonna be able I mean, to see the states can follow. It was exciting though to see that AEW was opening things up, allowing fans to come in, at, you know, with a ton of restrictions, 10% capacity, only in groups of people that you are familiar with and you are mm -hmm. friendly with. So I think that this is a step in the right direction. WWE is kind of doing their own version with a Thunderdome, which I thought was really innovative. I thought it was a really smart thing to do. Mm -hmm. but if we're taking these baby steps now, and it's August, I am hopeful that by January, maybe it's, if it's 10% now, maybe it's 50%. And I think that the real litmus test is going to be how the NFL treats their season and what happens there. Of course, of course. And, you know, for people who are wrestling fans, we sort of measure time in wrestling. So for we us, do. like, for WrestleMania 36 was, you know, that's the beginning of the shutdown. And then we go to, you know, whatever, whatever the next pay-per-view was, a Money in the Bank, and, you know, that's when WWE went full, you know, balls to the wall cinematic. And now we're at SummerSlam where it's, you know, the Thunderdome. So going forward, we're going to be seeing like, what's, what's the measuring stick going to be? I guess the Survivor, Survivor Series which is going to be Thunderdome with, you know, a couple of fans, 10% attendance. And that's essentially, you know, how it's going to be. 
what do you think it's going to be like, you know, before we get full fans, do you think WWE are going to follow suit with AEW and have 10%, 15% or yeah. stick with this Thunderdome that they've set up? It's kind of interesting to say it, but I feel like WWE has kind of followed what AEW has been doing, you know, basically ever mm-hmm. since March. And it's, you know, it's really interesting to say that, but you, you look back and the first couple of shows, WWE was basically saying, hey, we don't have an audience. So look, we shone a light on all these empty seats to show you there's no audience. AEW did the exact opposite. They put the camera where it was important. They put the camera on the ring, on the entranceway. A week later, WWE did the exact same thing. So I think that we're going to see just a fun atmosphere. We almost forget what it's like to see fans in the crowd or hear fans in the crowd. And when you watch old clips, you're like, oh, yeah, crowd reaction. So I think we're going to have a few of those moments on Dynamite. And WWE is going to be like, we need to figure that out. Yeah, so speaking of the crowd reaction, I think that's what gets most people into wrestling. Because looking at it now, you know, a match can be great and all, like, you know, Randy Orton versus Edge, the greatest wrestling match ever. But you need those people there to, spe- and to be able to look at that and say, I want to be a part of that. So I wanted to ask you, when did you first realize you were a wrestling fan? When did you realize, you know, you like this and this is going to be a big part of your life? I first started watching it kind of by accident at my grandparents' house in the late 80s. Like, we'd just be on. Not like, my grandpa wasn't like a huge wrestling fan, but he loved sports. Mm-hmm. So if baseball yeah. or hockey wasn't on, we'd watch Saturday night's main event. But it was Attitude Era when I realized, like, this was it for me. Like, I was all in on wrestling. And when I get excited about something, I dive all in. I'm 110% in, super Thank passionate you. about whatever it is. So that was it. It was Austin McMahon at that time was the main storyline and I watched everything. I went from watching nothing to watching everything. Raw and Nitro every Monday, I would, they would replay again the next day. I watched SmackDown when that started, ECW, I watched it all. So that was it for me and for better or for worse, I've either been a hardcore fan watching everything or just involved with it in some way and being familiar with the storylines that are going on. You know, even if I had other things in my life, like, you know, you're a perfect example. You're in school right now. you got a lot going on. you got a lot on your plate. I didn't watch as much wrestling when I was in college. And, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't again, you know, the product was fine. I just wasn't watching as much because I had other things to do. And the cool right, thing about right. wrestling is wrestling is always there for us. Yeah, it's, you know, it's the whole, the, the, the then now for everything. It's never, it's never going anywhere. The world could end and, you know, we're still going to get raw on Monday. <laughs> uh, damn right. And, and I think that that's kind of what's been proven through this whole situation with COVID is nobody thought that baseball would go away or the <laughs> NHL would go away or NBA would go away. They did. But what continued? Every single Monday night, Raw was still live on the USA <laughs> Network. As it will be until the end of time, they're I'm like, sure. They're so- like Twinkies, you know, nothing can <laughs> kill them. They're going to be around in the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you mentioned there that, you know, you were at college doing things. And obviously, you know, I tried to do my research. And by, by research, I mean listening to every single podcast you've ever done. So <laughs> oh, wow, wow. You went to Wilfrid Laurier University in Ontario, Canada. And I want to bring this up because you study communications, which is also one of my majors. So I wanted to ask, what did you take from that communications degree that, you know, helped you in where you are now? I'm <laughs> Nothing against Laurier. I love Wilfrid Laurier. It's a fantastic school. And if you're ever in Canada, Wilfrid Laurier is the guy on the $5 bill. I will say that uh, college taught me a lot of life lessons. Like college taught me like, it's important to set your alarm and go to class because your mom's not going to wake you up. It's important to pay your bills because then, you know, the power will be shut off or stuff like that. 
I don't feel like I learned a ton in the broadcasting realm that I use in my day-to-day life. But I did have this like incredible epiphany. I've talked about it on many other podcasts, but this epiphany in my senior year of college where I loved college. I, I lived in a house with my four best friends and you know, we loved going out to bars and like doing social things. And I just realized one day, like I woke up and went, oh my God, when I graduate, like that's it. Like no more college life, no more fun. Like no more do I feel like going to class. It's like, you're going to have to work for the next 40 to 50 years of your life. And I think that college gave me that realization of like, I got to put my, you know, put myself into gear here and like start Uh figuring some stuff out. And that's when stuff really started happening. I started reaching out to every college uh, or every radio station, every TV station in my college town, basically saying, I'm a passionate communication studies major. Can I come in and see how it's done in the real world? And that's when stuff really started happening for me. I like college was great. I loved it, but it was really me taking um, that initiative on my own, which really, really helped me. Yeah, no, it, I totally see where you're coming from because I kind of figured you'd say the same thing about the communications degree, which is it's there and you can tell people you have it, but you need the experience of actually going out and broadcasting and talking to people before you can, you know, do it uh, regularly, I'd say. The great thing about a communication studies degree is it's broad enough that you can do marketing and sales and PR and uh, broadcasting. You can do everything with it. And that's the really cool thing is you leave with this great skill set that will be applied to whatever you want. Yeah, funny story, actually. The reason I took up a communications degree, it's my, it's my secondary degree, and I was looking for what other, because I'm an economics major as well, and I was looking for what else I can fill this with, and I was Googling the people who I looked up to, and it's the degree Stephanie McMahon did at BU, which is why I picked it up here at UCLA. Wow. So yeah, I know I, what you mean about being broad. I think the really interesting thing is I did, a, I did a very similar thing. When I was coming up, when I was in high school and trying to pick my college major, I read a lot of bios. Uh, not like the full biography book, but I would read a lot of like the few paragraph bios and I kept seeing the same things. And I kept going, well, if they're doing that, if they're taking communications, maybe I should too. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you do any broadcasting before you got into college or while you were at college that sort of showed you or, you know, gave you the insight that, hey, this is fun. This is what I might want to do. Yeah. So in high school, I I had a communication studies class, which was vastly different from my communication studies class in college. In high school, we had a news broadcast and we worked all week on it. And you were, you rotated, you were the on-air guy, then you were the floor director, then you were the cameraman, then you were the audio guy, technical director, all the way around, right? And every time I was on air, I'm like, I like being that guy in front of the camera. I like performing. Uh, Fast forward a year or two later, I was the vice president of my student council. I did the morning announcements every morning, which is kind of like a mini broadcast. I hosted the talent show. That was kind of where I, you know, really got my feet wet. And then I was, I had a summer job where I was working as a server at a resort and they had a radio station at this resort. It just played like a local radio station, just played for the people that were like visiting this resort. But I got to like be a radio DJ every lunchtime and I just loved it. And so it was those little experiences to go, I can't believe someone will pay me to do this. Like, I can't believe I can just like talk into this mic, perform, and I can earn a living off of this. And when did you realize that wrestling was the specific avenue that you wanted to go into? So for people who don't know, you went through a lot of stuff. You were on MTV too, and you did essentially entertainment reporting, which is obviously you still do. But now you've sort of found this niche over the last several years or so of being the wrestling guy. 
how did that happen? And this is like such an interesting thing is like my background is still very much in being a TV host and still very much in being an entertainment reporter. And I've traveled the world. I've interviewed every celebrity, you name it. I've interviewed Oprah and Tom Cruise and And, Dwayne Johnson. And you've had them hit on you. (laughs) Yeah, this has happened, you know, once or twice. For me, it was like we were interviewing all these different actors and musicians. And I just kind of said to my boss one time, I said, we interview all these entertainers could we ever do an interview with a wrestler? And my boss was like, yeah, yeah sure. We've, we've done that before. I'm like, oh my God, like I get to interview a wrestler that I look up to, like hang out with him and get paid. This is amazing. That's where it began. And I started having these interesting conversations with wrestlers. And I was asking questions that like I genuinely cared about as a fan. And I thought, well, we're only airing like 15 or 20 seconds on TV, but I've had this 10 minute conversation about like the stuff that I care about other wrestling fans probably care about this too. Mm-hmm. And I just started uploading them to my YouTube channel thinking somebody else has got to see this. Somebody else has got to appreciate this. And that's really what, like how my YouTube channel started. I just wanted these interviews to live somewhere. So the more I niched down into that and the more I realized that I was getting these opportunities that other people weren't getting, I was able to get kind of like these scoops I just kind of kept leaning into it. And that's really, that's really how this happened. Yeah, I mean, that's so cool to see because it seems like almost, not that you had, not that you didn't have a plan, but you had one plan and this wrestling thing sort of stemmed from the side and then you just came and ran with it essentially. So, I mean, now that you're here in Los Angeles, I want to you know, shift the conversation back to the whole, you know, you being in, in LA thing. Sure. What was it like? Because obviously I know you worked in Miami before. So what was it that made you, you know, want to come here after, essentially, I know you've worked all over the world. Yeah. So Miami was the last five years working on this incredible show called Deco Drive, which is a local entertainment show on the Fox affiliate, but it's been around for like 25 years. So like there's some real like cachet there and like very well-respected show. Before that, I was the entertainment reporter for the CBS affiliate in Cleveland. And with both of those jobs, I was traveling the world, red carpets. I've been on the Oscars red carpet, the Grammys red carpet. It's been amazing, but I just wanted something more. And I have such a great amount of gratitude for the opportunities that all of the other jobs have afforded me. But I just got to a point where I'm like, I didn't move to a new country, I moved from Canada to America 10 years ago. I didn't move here to, you know, just do this. I want to do more. So that was it. And if you want to be a TV host, if you want to be in entertainment, you got to move to Los Angeles. So I knew that there'd be more opportunities for me here. This kind of felt like a second home for me anyway, because I mm-hmm. was probably here 10 to 15 times a year anyway, you know, living out of like hotel rooms. So I'm like, you know what? If now, if there was ever a time to do it, now's the time to do it. And here I am. Yeah, you got essentially hit with this, like while we were talking in the middle of a pandemic to still have to make the way in and drive your way down here. Were you initially planning to drive down here? I'm guessing a flight was probably your first plan. No, no, the drive was happening. The drive was oh, gonna wow. happen. I was gonna pack up my car, I have a Tesla. We had planned out this whole trip with the charges and everything. <laughs> I was planning to move on March 16th, which was a Monday. And the real shutdown started happening like March 13th. So like, uh-huh. I'm super grateful that I hadn't moved the weekend before. Um, and I was planning to like, Kind of things kind of shifted, but if I had moved the weekend before, I would have been out here and boom, just like that, things would have shut down. 
Yeah. So, you know, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And I, my move got pushed back four months, which is completely fine. Kind of able to, you know, situate myself in an even better situation. And here I am now. And I'm, I'm so glad I've been here. I'm so glad I moved here. Now I've been here about a month and I just feel like there's so much opportunity here. Are you from here? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not even from the States. Just like you moved to this country a couple of years ago. So, Oh, yeah. wow. From where? I'm from Bahrain in the Middle East. Wow. You have the perfect American accent. Yeah. You know, it's funny. No one where I'm from has this accent. It's just because I'm, well, I'm one of the only wrestling fans there. So I sort of picked it up and patterned my speaking after WWE because that's what I watched while most people didn't. So Wow. That's so, so you're, you're lucky you didn't start talking like Hulk Hogan or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I came in at the right time, you know, right at the end of Ruthless Aggression. So nobody spoke really weird around that time hell if i was 10 years older i might be speaking like stone cold right now so yeah or yeah <laughs> that'd be amazing if you were talking like that i actually had so i had a bit of a canadian accent when i first started broadcasting and i really had to work on it like i i specifically remember being in la listening to kiss fm and listening to ryan seacrest <laughs> and i'm like he's the pinnacle you know if you want to be a tv mm -hmm. host yeah he's the, guy. Is the guy he's mr tv host and he kept saying Seacrest out. And I'm like, oh, that's how you say out. Because Canadians, you know, <laughs> we, have a, we have a tough time with the O's. We say uh, yeah, I a, boat, a couple Canadian friends. A boat. So I'm like, Seacrest out. And so I'm very much like you. I was like just mirroring. But, but here's the thing. In terms of that, is having a Canadian accent really that bad? Because we've seen in wrestling, I mean, you know, Jim Ross is the voice of wrestling. And he's got that deep Southern accent. There's also Taz with that thick Brooklyn accent. Is a Canadian accent really the worst thing to have? The interesting thing, it's such a good question because in America, all those accents are very much accepted. Like, you know, the, the Boston's accent is a little bit, you know, that, that's, it's quite, you know, it's quite distinct. Yeah. And the, the New York accent's very distinct as well. And you know, there's all kinds of accents, the Southern accent. There's something about when an American hears a Canadian accent, and the ears perk up, they're like, oh, you're not, you're not from here. <laughs> Now, what did you just say? Did you say you were sorry? Uh, you were sorry? <laughs> you know, so I think it's just like, we're used to hearing Stone Cold and Jim Ross's Southern accent. But when someone out of, you know, when you haven't heard sorry, I'll get to that tomorrow. And I'm so sorry for all my Canadian friends who are listening to this right now. <laughs> you don't have an accent. No, no Canadian thinks they have an accent. So we'll just, we'll just keep thinking that. Gotcha. Yeah, that's very interesting to hear because, you know, I guess it's just that American mentality of, well, all these people, they may, they may sound funny to me, but they're from here. But you, you know, yeah. you're from right over the border. So you got to change that. There's also this, you know, there's this like American mentality of like, like America, like we, we do things here a certain way. Oh, you're from somewhere else. And like, you know, a lot of Americans have never even been to Canada before, which I completely invite you to go to Canada. Canada is a great place to visit. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, growing up in Canada, what was the first WrestleMania you went to? Was it uh, Mania 6 that was in uh, Toronto or was it X8? Uh, which one was it? So I am as old as WrestleMania. So uh, <laughs> I, I can't imagine going to WrestleMania 6, although that would have been really cool. So it was WrestleMania 18. Um, Rock Hogan's still my favorite match of all time. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was there in the middle of it all. I had floor seats and it was an incredible, incredible experience. And now I've been to... I should probably know this. I think I've been to eight, nine WrestleManias. Awesome. Which one was your favorite? I mean, 18 means a lot to me. 
I went of to course, 18. It's the first one. Yeah, my first one, but also like, yeah, I saw Stone Cold and I saw Rock Hogan and I saw Jericho and uh, Triple H, like all these great matches. So 18 is a special place in my heart. But WrestleMania 30 would definitely be up there, just start to finish. What a great, mm -hmm. you know, tremendous show. Daniel Bryan, The Undertaker Streak, like that WrestleMania 30 might be one of the all time best WrestleManias, start to finish, just a stacked uh -huh. card. Yeah, back to X8. Actually, didn't mean anything to you that the main event of that WrestleMania was Jericho versus Triple H, a Canadian, defending his world title in the main event. Well, I think it means more to me that Rock Hogan was somehow not the main event. <laughs> it was actually the third last match, and people don't mm -hmm. really remember this. It was Rock Hogan, then the women's match, and which I feel so bad for them because you know, the energy just got sucked out of the right. building. Everyone, you know, screamed their head off for Rock Hogan. And then by the time the main event came around, like, I just feel like nobody really cared anymore. So I, I it's nothing against Jericho. And that was a, a great match when you go back and watch it. But I, I mean, Jericho like people, says it himself. People's interest were, was completely gone after Hogan left the ring. I mean, it's pretty crazy to think that, you know, Jericho versus Triple H in the main event, that, you know, that's the Canadian defending his title. Then the, the women's match we're talking about was uh, Jazz taking on Lita and Trish Stratus. Trish is Canadian. And yeah, then from Toronto. Rock versus Hogan. And then Rock versus Hogan. Technically, Rock is Canadian too, so that's you know a lot of reps there. Ish. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't claim it. And you know, obviously, it's a little bit of a tenuous connection, but it's still it's still cool to see. I'm hoping I'm hoping to see you know some Los Angeles representation for WrestleMania 37. Not that I knew that would be at this point. I, I who is the LA representation? The Miz. <laughs> I think it might be Morrison, actually. I mean, I guess he's from SoCal, so that counts a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. The, the Miz is very actually proud to be from Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's a funny thing I want to talk to you about. So the first time I ever saw you do an interview, and the first time I sort of really you know, became a fan of Chris Van Vliet, was that interview you did with Miz and Dolph Ziggler in Cleveland for WWE night at uh, Cleveland Cavaliers Arena. Yeah. So it's a really weird thing to see because you don't see many interviews, even ones that you do that are sort of like that, just sort of in the open with two superstars just going back and forth. And it, it, it I always, that always strikes me as one of my favorite, you know, wrestling interviews. What was it just very like a niche thing I wanted to ask you, how did that interview sort of come about? And what was it like interviewing two guys like that? Cause even, I don't think many people do that. So I had been friends with Mike and been friends with Dolph for a while. I'd done many interviews with them. They were both in Cleveland. So, well, they're both, Cleveland, Cleveland was their hometown. So anytime mm -hmm. they came back and I was working there, we figured out some sort of way to do an interview. So when WWE night was happening at where the Cavs played, WWE was like, do you want to do an interview with both of these guys? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, I love these guys. So when I went there, it was like right before the interview, big hugs from both of these guys. And I'm like, all right, well, let's just talk. And the cool thing was like, they have such a great rapport. Miz and Ziggler have such a great rapport. Since I knew them, I had a great rapport. So it was just basically three dudes just kind of hanging out. And that's the thing I've always kind of wanted my interviews to be. Like just a couple people hanging out and there happens to be a camera here. Yeah, that, I think that's why people gravitate to you so much because very different from, you know, all the wrestlers doing their own podcasts or, you know, other, you know, wrestling media in general. You seem to be that guy who just sort of knows everyone, the guy who's everyone's friend. Uh, did you, do you have any sort of like, conscious conception of that or 
is that just you? Yeah, I think it's just like, I've always, the people I've always looked up to have been the broadcasters that don't seem like broadcasters. Because when you're growing up, the newsman's almost like standing on his podium, like, tonight in the news, here's the big story. And I'm like, nobody talks like that. And I never wanted to be one of those broadcasters who put on one of these fake voices or those radio people that put on one of those fake voices. So for me, it was just like, I'll amp it up a little bit, but this is me. This is me. You yeah. take this mic away or not. Like, this is still going to be me. And I've never really gone out of my way to, like, try to form friendships in the wrestling world. It's all just kind of happened organically. Um, and oftentimes I've been fortunate that one interview leads to another, which leads to another, or one connection leads to another. I've just been fortunate. But at the end of the day, it's been hard work. You know, I've, been, I've put hard work into everything that I've done. And I'm going to continue to do that just because that's the way I am. That's the person that I am. Mm -hmm. I mean, on that, I was, you know, browsing your YouTube channel the other day, and I, I went from oldest to newest. And I, I saw that at WrestleMania 27, you had a chance to sit down with Cody Rhodes. And then all these years later, I know obviously, you know, things got shut down a little bit for now. We do the backstage interviewer for All In. So what was it like, you know, sort of having that relationship with Cody, you know, all, all those years back in the day, just WrestleMania 27, just a, a, a reporter going up to interview him. How did it come about that then all these years later, you know, you're essentially working for him? I, I don't know that he remembered that interview. It was so quick and like his gimmick was completely different at that time. But the cool <laughs> yeah, the, thing the, the was... Undashing. That's right. He was so dashing. Yeah. The cool thing was... I just, you know, I built up some connections and I like the interview I'd done, the next interview I did with Cody after that was years later, Ring of Honor. And he was the Ring of Honor champion at the time. And he just remembered me from that conversation. I ended up being able to interview some other AEW people. And look, I was able to be invited to be part of that first episode of Dynamite, which was so cool. I mean, it's the first time that wrestling had been on TNT in nearly 20 years. And I was able to play like a tiny little minuscule part of that show, but it was so cool to be able to do that. And yeah, I just, I, I just feel fortunate, man. Like a lot, like very, very grateful for any of these opportunities that I've had. Okay. And on the subject of interviewing wrestlers, you know, I've had the chance to talk to some wrestlers, obviously nowhere near the amount or the caliber of people that you've had the chance to talk to. What is it about wrestlers that makes them either, you know, good or bad or easier or harder to interview than other entertainment or sports media people? I'd say they're, they're easier than anything else because I think that they're so passionate about this. You know, they are the character. The character is them. There's often so much stuff that you don't see behind the scenes that they're happy to talk about. And I just feel like if you can approach it as like an equal, like instead of just marking out like you're a super fan of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm talking to so-and-so. If you just approach it as like, I'm interested in having this conversation with you. I feel like that energy will come back to you. Like then they'll be interested in having the same conversation with you. And uh, I just feel like sometimes when I talk to actors, they're just a little bit more guarded. And when I talk to wrestlers, I just feel like you can ask them anything and they'll talk about anything. And I, I will forever be grateful for that mentality and that attitude. And within wrestlers, uh, obviously, I don't, you don't have to name names if you don't want to, but who's like the, or I guess you can, who's the best interviews that you've ever had? Obviously, you've, I mean, for people who don't know, you've interviewed The Rock, John Cena, the, the top of the tops, anyone who's anyone in AEW or WWE today, Miz and Ziggler, like we were talking about. But who's the best? Who's the easiest to interview? Because 
as journalists, we both know there's an, a good interview, an easy interview, or, or a harder interview. Yeah. So I will say, I will say that if you're at the top, you're at the top for a reason. You're at the top because you are just, you're good. And the best interviews I've had are The Rock, John Cena, Will Smith, Tom Cruise. They're the best because they engage with you. And there could be a thousand other people on the red carpet, but they have a conversation. They look you right in the eye and they're speaking to you. And all of those people that I named have this great star ability to be self-aware enough to know that this moment isn't just about them being the massive stars that they are, but this moment's important for you. And they do little things like, and I can list off with all those people that I just named, do little things that make those interviews memorable and important for you. Like The Rock will always compliment you or crack a joke just to make you go, I'm aware this is important. Right. John Cena, you know, reached into his pocket to look at the time and told me, no, 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 we've got more time. I know you're trying to wrap up, but we've got more time, which was incredible. Um, Tom Cruise, like we were on a red carpet in Paris with the Eiffel Tower behind us, screaming mm -hmm. fans everywhere. And he literally looked me in the eye like me and him were having a conversation, like just the two of us in a hallway or something like that. So it's those moments that I think make those, make the greats great. Okay. And, and in wrestling specifically, because I've had the chance to interview people both in, in character and out of character, and it's always a little bit different trying to trying to navigate that, especially when they're never going to come out and tell you, hey, we're doing this in character. You sort of got to figure it out. What's your process like, you know, navigating how much people are going to lean into their personality? I usually like to know if I'm going into this, if, if I'm talking to the character, I'm talking to the person. I think I need to get better at asking you about that. I just think it's important to like know going into it. And look, my podcast is kind of, it, it peels the curtain back a little bit to like what's driven you to be as successful as you are. And you know, what are the things in your life? What are the daily habits that you do that make you great? And I just like to let people know like this, this is your time to shine. Um, and if there's a certain thing that you want me to talk about or a certain thing you want to focus on, let's do it. And I actually heard Oprah talking about this. Oprah goes into every interview when she had her show and now she does her interviews with uh, mm -hmm. her super soul sessions. She goes into the green room, has a little chat with the person and goes, what's your intention for this interview? And I thought, wow, <laughs> that's, that's a really powerful thing because the, the, you know, obviously Oprah's reach is massive. And the last thing that Oprah wants is for you to leave that and go, oh, I really wanted to talk about this thing, or I really wanted people to hear about this. So she goes in and goes, what's your intention here? And I don't specifically say that, but before the interview starts, I just, I, I tell people, I just want to know, this is all about you. If there's a certain thing you want to put over, it's a certain thing, certain thing you want to talk about, let's do it. And oh my gosh, thank you. Because unfortunately in the wrestling world, this doesn't exist in like any other realm of entertainment. <laughs> Shoot interviews do not exist in the music world, you know? And I think that sometimes wrestlers are on edge when they're not that familiar with you of like, oh my God, are you going to bring up this problem I had with this person 17 years ago? And I just like to let people know, like, I'm here to let you shine. Gotcha. I see, now I feel bad for not doing that for you at the beginning of this interview. <laughs> no, no. Now you can. Please take yeah. that. Take. I took it from Oprah. <laughs> yeah, thank from Oprah to Chris Van Vliet to me. And I'll, I'll just, definitely keep just that say mind. it's from Oprah. Nobody cares about <laughs> me in the middle there. <laughs> you know what? That's a funny thing though, because I think wrestling fans, you know, will care about that. I think as wrestling fans, 
knowing, you know, just hearing someone mention anything to do with wrestling because it's, you know, so not mainstream, but also kind of mainstream just makes things so, I guess, different and interesting for us. So you being that guy who's also, who's not only like a big wrestling reporter, the, the one who all the wrestlers seem to have that great relationship, but also being the guy, who, you know, Leslie Mann and uh, Dakota Johnson hit on. It's just, a, it's just a funny thing that you have this very like special place in wrestling and journalism media. Do you ever, I just, out of my own like curiosity as a journalist, do you ever get sort of criticism or, you know, or even like hate from other wrestling media or has it generally been, you know, supportive and stuff like that? I've never had any problems with anyone in the wrestling media. No, and, and look, I'm never trying to like dig for stories. I'm never trying to get dirt. I'm just trying to have interesting conversations that I find fascinating. But I like straddling this line. I like that I haven't gone all in on the wrestling interviews. Like this week I had... Mike O'Hearn, one of the Great greatest interview. bodybuilders of all time on my show. You know, a few weeks ago, I had UFC legend Vitor Balfour on. Also a really good interview. Oh, well, thank you. And I want to continue to have these conversations with people who I think that we can learn from. And I, I, I don't know. I, I can't see why anyone in the wrestling media would have an issue with me having these conversations. And I... I, I, oh, I, no, me I, neither. I was, I was just curious. No, I put, the, I put them out there. And, you know, if, if someone that has a website wants to take quotes from it, <laughs> by all means, you know, do it. And uh, actually on that Vitor, uh, Vitor Belfort interview, or just, you know, people who aren't in wrestling in general, has there, anyone, sure. has there been anyone you've interviewed that has been, you know, a surprise wrestling fan or a, a closet or just someone you didn't know was a wrestling fan that has interested you? So I, every time I have the opportunity to get a wrestling question in with a celebrity, I will do it. Even if it never makes it to air, I'll just like do it for my own personal. Like, so Mickey Rourke was one. I interviewed Mickey <laughs> Rourke a few months after he got snubbed. I thought he should have won the Oscar for, for the, wrestler. the wrestler. And I, I told him this. And then he actually went into like how Triple H had helped him prepare for the role. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh, wow. That was really cool. Hugh Jackman. I actually did my very first interview with Hugh Jackman backstage at a Monday Night Raw. So like, oh, awesome. If I ever have the opportunity to tie wrestling into it, it's kind of like that moment in Step Brothers where it's like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> yep. And you know, wrestling's a very special thing. When you like wrestling, you like You're wrestling. In. Yeah, you like wrestling. It's, you know, it's like any of those things, any of those really niche things. So if I can find someone else that likes wrestling, I like to connect with them on that level. My very first interview with Billy Corgan, like six years ago, I remember starting, it was on a Monday night, we were on a red carpet and I go, Billy, you know, I, you and I are both missing Raw right now. And he's like, I know, we're missing Raw. And it's like, all right, we're in, this is great. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. And then, you know, how many ever years later he becomes the owner of NWA. So yeah, you're, appearance in the in the world as general just seems to be that guy who you know makes the connections and then you know builds the relationship and now you have essentially like this good relationship with every wrestler out there it seems do wwe work with you in any way shape or form in giving the giving you people to interview or do you just sort of have to reach out to them yourself and sort of see you know what comes back i've had uh i've had like a working relationship with wwe basically the last 10-ish years where Whenever WWE was in Cleveland when I was there, they would tell me who was in town being able to do interviews. And same thing with when I was in Miami. And they're, they're just really good. They're, I mean, WWE is one of the biggest companies in the world or a billion dollar company for a reason. So they've been just really good at saying, hey, we're in town. This person's available for interviews. 
Are you interested? And that's really how it's worked. Um, and it's interesting that you say that I have like built up these relationships with wrestlers and a few people have called me the Ariel Hawani of wrestling. And I'm like, that's like, it's a, a very kind, like Ariel Hawani is fantastic. Now that I hear that, it does sound pretty accurate to you. Except Ariel Hawani is like way up here. And I'm like, eh. I, I don't think so. I think we're judging that in terms of, okay, he's on ESPN and all that. But in the fan, in the minds of MMA fans and compared to you in the minds of wrestling fans, I think you're pretty similar. He breaks news though. Like he's like, he breaks, like people come, he's more like the um, Adam Schefter of MMA. Like he's breaking right. news. I'm just kind of like, I like having conversations. You know, I, I have these conversations and if news comes out of it, Great. If news doesn't come out of it, we're just going to have a conversation anyway. So, I mean, that, that reminds me of your interview with CM Punk at the AP Awards, where news sort of did come out of it, where you asked him, are you ever coming back? And he goes, you know, never, ever, ever. You know, what was that specific moment like? So I knew that he was going to be on that red carpet. And ironically, the last city that he was in for WWE was Cleveland. Cleveland. And it was just so ironic that six months later, he was now going to be in Cleveland. So I saw that he was going to be hosting the show, saw that he was going to be walking the red carpet. And I reached out to the alternative press and I said, is CM Punk going to be available for interviews? And they said, yeah, I mean, everyone's available for interviews there. Just, we just ask that you don't ask wrestling questions. I'm like, okay, so you watch this interview back now. I asked him, what's he doing there? You know, how did he get tied into this? What are some of his favorite bands? And then I'm kind of like, you know, what do we call you? Are you a WWE superstar? Are you a former WWE superstar? Because at that time, we didn't really know what was going on with his situation. Yeah. He could have said literally nothing in that interview. And that interview would have done well because That's he, hadn't, true. he hadn't given an interview since leaving WWE. This was yeah, that it. was before the Colt Cabana podcast. It was. This was it. So him even just saying, hey, happy to be here, would have gone viral. So at the end, I just felt like it was important to say, like, are we ever going to see you back in the squared circle again? He obviously gave a very jokey, never, ever, ah, never, ever, 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 ever answer. And the funny thing is, I wanted this interview to go on longer. And if you watch the interview back, I have an earpiece in. I was doing this interview in the commercial break from when I was about to do a live hit on our local news station. So as I'm wrapping up, what was easily the most important interview I did on that red carpet? My producer's in my ear going, we're coming to you in 30 seconds. And I'm like, I could talk to this guy for five more minutes. I got to wrap this thing up. Coming to you in 15 seconds. And I'm like, all right, well, have fun tonight. Thank you so much. And then like basically wrapped up that interview and turned around to the camera and just started like doing my live hit. <laughs> so in a way, I regret that the interview wasn't five minutes earlier or five minutes later because we mm -hmm. actually could have gone maybe a little bit deeper into this conversation. Yeah. But yeah, it happened and that's how it went down. Yeah, it happened, but also it left people wanting more because that was the last we heard from him. Yeah, and but I want more. That's six years ago and I still haven't even had another conversation with him. I mean, maybe you will now because, you know, hopefully when AEW Dynamite's back to full capacity, I'd love to see you back there. What are your thoughts on heading back? Well, I would like to see things get back to normal first, uh, you know, and who knows what the timeline on anything is right now. Like we, we all went into this in March thinking, all right, if we just reluctantly stay in our homes for two weeks, remember when March 31st oh my God. was kind of like the deadline of quarantine. And then we all went, all right, 
by Memorial Day, we'll be back to normal. Well, here we are in August with no light at the end of the tunnel. So at the beginning of March, I was convinced SummerSlam was going to have fans, but. Oh man, in March, we, now we thought got that, remember in March, there was talk about WrestleMania being postponed to, to the summer. Mm-hmm. Remember when that was like a real conversation? Yeah. I mean, that's great. And here's the thing. If it was postponed to the summer, it would still be, you know, in the Thunderdome or the PC. So it would have made a difference, which is crazy well, to think about. Well, their plan was like, we'll just push this back to the summer. We'll still have this in Tampa. Like everything will be fine. I don't know, man. I'm just hopeful that things can start to look. I want everyone to be safe and I want everyone to be yeah. healthy. That is paramount here. But it's also important to think about the other things that we're losing out on. Um, you know, people's, you know, there's a lot of depressed people that are dealing with this, a lot of anxiety. Uh, there's a lot of other things that I don't think were balanced out when we first started to go into lockdown in March. Right. And I just hope that we start to like take some of those things into account as we head into these fall months and hopefully as stuff starts to open back up. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's great. Like for us in this, you know, wrestling world, we're more worried. It's, it's a lot of times we're more worried about what Raw or Dynamite's going to look like in the next week than, you know, the very real problems that so many people around the world have. Yeah, and I think it's just like if it's not right in front of you, you know, if it's not affecting you or your family or your close friends, you know, you're just bummed out that you can't go to the movies or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, which I'm happy the movie theaters are opening back up. I can't wait to see Tenet. Oh, what was that? You can't wait to see? To see Tenet, the new oh, uh, yeah. Christopher Nolan Christopher film. Nolan. I can't wait. And then the new, the new Batman trailer came out as well. Looks good. Although, uh, you know, who knows when that'll be released. No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everything's gone, you know, pushed back and back and back and back. So I just want to circle back around to WrestleMania 37, which sure. is going to be hopefully here at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, California. What do you plan for WrestleMania? Like, do you have an itinerary of different wrestling events to go to? Or how, how do you approach a big event like that? Because UCLA Radio, you know, we're preparing, hopefully, in some way, shape, or form to, you know, be WWE's partner for Mania 37. And we need a you know, a roadmap of how to do things. How do you, Chris Van Vliet, do things? It's changed a lot over the years, but I always try to work access into this. You'll get a lot of access to uh, the wrestlers and, you know, WWE is very press friendly during that stuff. But it's changed so much. Like, since I really started going to WrestleManias, which was Atlanta 27, like that, that was basically every year after that, it's changed a lot. And it's turned into this, like, kind of Super Bowl week and everyone kind of latches onto it. Every indie wrestling company in the world is trying to run a show that week. And anybody who's ever been anything in wrestling is going to be trying, you know, trying to be booked on those shows, trying to be at WrestleCon for the autographs. I would say just focus on what's important. And if it's WWE stuff that you want to do, try to be at the events where WWE is doing press. Like they're going to have, they're going to have different meet and greets. They're going to have different community events. They're going to have access and they're going to be giving people interviews during that time. So I would try to focus on doing as much stuff as you can with that. But you've also got NXT, Raw, SmackDown. It's a lot of wrestling going the on. The Hall of Fame, way. hopefully. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I will say this, and it's nothing against the Hall of Fame. It's fun. It's very long. It's a yeah, very, I very mean, long event. TV, it's a... Uh... It's a process getting through, you know, everyone's speeches, everyone thanking their mom. <laughs> yeah. And I get it's super important, right? I guess it's a very important night. I just don't know that fans need to be there for that. 
especially when like you know chants start taking over people's speeches yeah and i've been to a, i think i've been to three hall of fames they're it's cool but i also think that maybe that's just something that they need to have for themselves anyway all this is to say there's a lot going on so make sure to key in on the things that are really important to you okay awesome yeah no thank you so much for that advice i mean i know we're gonna need basically all the advice we can get so Looking forward to WrestleMania 37, I actually wanted to look back at Mania 2005, which was the last WrestleMania in Los Angeles, you know, where yeah. John Cena won his first WWE title. And it's what we were talking about measuring time in wrestling earlier. And I was looking at that card and 80% of that card is still in wrestling today. Maybe they're not, you know, wrestling like Booker T was on that card, but, you know, he's still in WWE. John Cena is there. Triple H versus Batista happened on that card. You know, Triple H is still in here. So, I mean, you're talking about Mania 27. That was a decade ago. And in any other industry, a decade is uh, a lifetime. But in wrestling, a lot of those guys from Mania 27 are sort of like for you to navigate, you know, A, being, you know, a wrestling fan of the attitude there and still seeing those guys here today and getting to interview them. And then B, you know, being back there at WrestleMania 27 and obviously Mania is before that and seeing the changing experiences of the same professional wrestlers just going to a different stage in their career. It's just, wrestling just keeps like, I love that once you're in wrestling, whether you spent a year or two or 30 years, you are a wrestler in the eyes of everybody. It doesn't matter what you continue to do in, your li in the rest of your life. Like you will be known as a wrestling, a wrestler to all the wrestling fans. And I love that. Like wrestling fans are so passionate and they're also so loyal and so devoted. And that's the really cool and exciting thing about wrestling, which I don't think you see in really any other avenue of entertainment, like at all, where there's like this much fandom. Like, look, I, I'm, I know Barbie Blank, Kelly Kelly, very well. She's also based here in Los Angeles. Yeah. She's done dozens of other things since, since she left wrestling, but she will forever be known to wrestling fans as being Kelly Kelly. Yeah. And I think that that's the really exciting thing about this. If you leave your mark in wrestling, it will be an indelible mark that lasts forever. And that'll be like a big part of your legacy. Is there anyone, you know, that obviously I'd like to think that I'm hopefully starting out in my, you know, journey in terms of being, you know, wrestling media personality. And I'm hoping for you that you do this until for the next hundred years or so is who do you want to interview that you haven't had a chance to do so yet? Cause for me, I've got a long, long list, but for you, I'm sure that list is a little shorter maybe. Well, so who's at the top of your list? Uh, right now, it's Chris Jericho, because Jericho is my favorite wrestler of all time. And you've, you've done great interviews with him before. And he seems like someone who just gets it, you know? So I would love to interview Chris Jericho. Yeah, Jericho's great. And the good thing about Jericho is he is the best at everything he's done. Like, he truly is the best in the world at what he does. Exactly. Um, you know, so you know, I, that'll happen for you one day, and it'll be a great conversation. At the top of my list is Vince McMahon. Uh, he's the best. And we wouldn't be having this conversation right now of course. if it wasn't for what Vince McMahon created. So I'd love to have a conversation with him as an entrepreneur, as a businessman. Just love to dive into his like daily routine. Like what yeah. makes Vince McMahon tick? Have you ever I don't know that yet? this interview will ever happen, but I will keep throwing this out there and hoping that it does. Have you ever had a chance to talk to him or be in a room with him or, you know, see him from a distance? Never. No. Oh, wow. Never, I've never seen him. I've seen him in the flesh, like standing in the ring, cutting promos, right. but I've never been at an event or anything where Vince has been there now. Wow. I, that, I'm hopeful that this will one day happen, but who I, knows? 
maybe at Mania Weekend in Los Angeles, I'll get to interview Jericho and you'll get to interview Vince. I think that's the ideal scenario for both of us. WrestleMania 37. Jericho will just be there for some reason. Maybe Fozzie's on tour. I mean, hey, it'll be interesting to see, because obviously this WrestleMania 36, we didn't see AEW run anything opposite WWE because, well, no one ran anything. But Mania 37, being hopefully that it does go down the fence, will be the first time that we've got legitimate, you know, competition on alternative to WWE that might do something alongside them. Maybe. What do you think that looks like? Would you be excited for that? Yeah, I think there's always the chance to... Like, AEW is the alternative. I know that I know that a lot of people look at it as competition, and sure, maybe, maybe it kind of is, but it's also On Wednesday nights, maybe. Yeah, just but in general, it's an alternative. And I think a lot of WWE's product looks the way it does now because AEW lit a fire under them last year and made mm-hmm. them go, you're not the only game in town here. And if we can just kind of chip into what you're doing just a little bit, maybe we can change wrestling as a whole for the better. Yeah, it's, it's a super exciting time to be a wrestling fan because I always think, you know, the argument on social media and, all, and everywhere else is always going down about the demos and the ratings and any of that. But what people you know, often fail to see is that more people are watching wrestling than ever, even if it is, you know, New Japan or AEW, whatever, you know, more people are just watching wrestling forever. What does that mean for people like you and me who just want to go out and talk to wrestlers? How's that been? Oh, man, there's, this is the best time. It's the best time to be a wrestling fan. It's the best time to be a wrestler. And I always get so much pushback every time I say that because people always go, no way, man. The Monday Night Wars was the best time. Raw versus Nitro. I'm like, yes, that was a great time. But when Raw and Nitro went off the air at 11 o'clock at night, you had to wait the rest of the week to watch wrestling again. Now we can pull this little thing out of our pocket and watch wrestling as much as we want. We can watch any type of match we want. And I think it's just exciting because there's accessibility now. And if Jericho's the guy you want to talk to, here's how you make it happen. You approach it, uh, you approach him to do an interview for Fozzie. So next time Fozzie's on tour and they're anywhere close to here, they're in Anaheim, they're in LA, they're in San Diego, you reach out to them and you say that you want to do an interview for UCLA radio, you want to talk to Fozzie, you're going to get your interview, I promise. You know what's crazy? I actually did that, I think, uh, maybe two years, or no, one and a half years ago when Fozzie were running. But the problem was they were running opposite of Lucha Underground taping. Lucha Underground invited me there. And it was like, I want to go to this thing. But these, are the, these guys reached out to me and said, we want to have you. So it's like, I can't turn them down. So yeah, well, I'm glad I'm thinking along your lines. Yeah, well, this is great. So next time when, when tours start happening again, you're going to make this happen. Yes, sir. And hey, whenever Vince, Vince is in town a lot from what I've heard for, you know, the, the Fox deal and all that. So hopefully you, I'm hoping for you that you get to do everything you want to do as well. Cause I just I'll want just, to listen to that interview. I'll just have to like stake out one at like whatever private airport he flies into. I mean, do you think he flies into Burbank? I'll just like, I'll just sit by Burbank and <laughs> wait, wait till I see the jet. <laughs> Definitely. And I'll do the same for the next Fozzie concert. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, Jericho's flying on jets too. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. You've given us so much of your time. I'm so grateful for that. So I just want to, you know, sort of wrap up with two questions. Obviously, the first one being SummerSlam is in a couple of hours, and this interview is only going to air after SummerSlam. But that being said, we'll know if we're right or wrong. Which match are you looking forward to most for tonight's SummerSlam? What do you think the result is going to be? Uh, probably Drew McIntyre. I'm excited to see him. I kind of feel bad for – super excited that he's the champion, but feel bad that he didn't get the reception that he – could have, should have got at WrestleMania, you know, that, mm-hmm. having that WrestleMania moment. 
but I think he remains the champion after tonight. So I think that's the match that I'm most excited to see tonight. And they're, they're Thunderdome in this, right? Like, yeah, I believe yeah, so. so. I'm excited to see if anything looks a little bit different. If it's, mm-hmm. you know, if it's the SummerSlam version of the Thunderdome, because WWE is really good at making Raw look different from SmackDown, look different from NXT, look different from every single pay-per-view that they do. Yeah, so everything is done Yeah, they're really good about this. So I'm excited to see what, what SummerSlam just looks like as a whole. I'm also really interested to see if Pat McAfee can wrestle. <laughs> agreed, agreed. I mean, hey, from NXT yesterday, it looked like he did. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, like he's been, I know he's been, he's been, I got to take that back. Yes, definitely. For someone who like hasn't worked a hundred matches or whatever, he's been putting in the work. He's been working with the right people and good for him. One of the better celebrity, quote unquote, celebrity matches in wrestling history. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so, yeah, thanks for that. See, I actually think Randy's going to win the championship. Really? Yeah. I, hmm. I've just got this weird feeling that they're going to go all the way with this Randy thing. Give Drew I don't McIntyre. think he needs it. I don't think he needs it. I, I don't either. But, you know, this is WWE and I think a, what they want to do is have Drew McIntyre chasing. Maybe he gets it back, maybe he doesn't. But I think WWE right now want the option of Randy holding the title until Los Angeles. That's my, you know, we talked with my wrestling fan friends. My prediction is Randy Orton is the champion going to WrestleMania at Los Angeles. Yeah, well, it makes I know sense. It's out there. I know it's, it's a out long there. time away from now. Like WrestleMania yeah. is, um, you know, almost a full year away. So we got lots of time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, lot, lot, lots of time. So uh, the, the last thing I want to ask you is, well, first of all, what are you looking forward to most about your, I guess, your new life here in Los Angeles? And then what are you looking forward to most about WrestleMania 37? I just love being in Los Angeles, although I need to cut back on in and out I've been going in and out way too much. It's too good. Um, I'm just looking forward to the opportunities here. I, I, I've loved every other place I've lived in. I've moved a lot in my career. But I love that stuff happens here. You know, stuff happens in Los Angeles. So that's Agreed. what I'm most excited for. Um, I'm WrestleMania 37. I think I'm just excited to like, I, I'm, I'm moving forward. Like WrestleMania 37 is going to be back to normal. Like Me we're, we're going to be at full capacity. We're not wearing masks. And I know I might be eating these words next March, but I'm, it's Are April, you or I guess April. Like, um, yes, it's August right now. I am so hopeful that we can have like a, a huge event. Everything is fine. And we can put the current situation that we're in right now behind us and learn and grow from it and just get better. Yeah. I mean, you, you said it better than I could have ever said it. So we, got, we just got to learn and get better, both, you know, outside of wrestling, inside of wrestling, in journalism. I'm going to take everything you told me about what uh, you learned from Oprah and how to hopefully approach Jericho and, you know, go forward into that in WrestleMania 37. Chris you got Lee, this, man. Uh, you yeah, thanks this. so much. Thanks so much for joining us. And you know, that was this was hopefully not your last time on UCLA radio. I'm gonna put that out there. Let's do it. It's definitely not my last time. I'm gonna put that out there. Awesome.